the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Praise God. Our communion meditation is taken from John chapter 17, verses 14 to 17. And the title of the message is The Power of Godly Fellowship. Michael Jordan, the name Michael Jordan is synonymous uh, with greatness in the basketball court. Not only does his statistics speak for themselves, uh, everyone unanimously agree, fans, sports writers, coaches, all agree that he probably is the greatest person that ever played the game. But the people that can testify to his greatness are those who actually played with him and played against him. And they too are unanimous in their assessment that Michael Jordan is indeed the greatest player that ever played the game because he made everybody he played with or played against, they made them great themselves. They made them better players. In one of Michael Jordan's most dominating game uh, that took place in the 1990s, he scored 16 points in that game. I, I think it's still a record. And after the game, when one of his teammates uh, was interviewed and asked, what's it like to play with the great Michael Jordan. His teammate who scored one point in that game said these words. He says, between Michael and I, we scored 70 points. That speaks volumes to how Michael Jordan made people who played with him feel great about themselves. That must have been how the disciples felt when they were around Jesus. They must have uh, had that aura or that feeling about them that they're in the presence not only of greatness, but they're in the presence of glory. That must have been an experience for them. But Jesus knew that he was going to the cross Jesus knew that he was going to leave his disciples. He must have known uh, that they will be facing a crisis once he left. So Jesus prayed what we call his high priestly prayer for his disciples then. And his prayer at that time also applies to us today. He prayed that they may have the same courage the same confidence and the same power that they had while he was with them after he leaves them. Jesus understood the power of being in fellowship with him. He understood that. 
And it is evident in how he prayed for his disciples. If there's a time in, in uh, our lives as followers of Jesus where we need to project the glory and the majesty and greatness of the Lord Jesus and the cross, it is today. We face increasing challenges and attacks to the credibility of our testimony and to the credibility of the message and the power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. If there's a time when we need to project the glory and power of our fellowship with the Lord, these are those days. We need to project the glory of Christ and the only way we can project the glory of Christ is through the power of our fellowship with Him and our fellowship with one another as believers. Loved ones, fellowship is a spiritual discipline. I know we don't talk much about fellowship when it comes to spiritual disciplines because when we talk about spiritual disciplines, we, we almost always relegate that to prayer. As a spiritual discipline, we almost relegate it as uh, Bible reading, you know, meditation. We relegate spiritual disciplines to worship such as this. But fellowship is also a spiritual discipline, okay? It's one of the pillars of our It's a core discipline, and it's part of being a disciple or a follower of Jesus Christ. Fellowship is so important that literally moments before Jesus was to be betrayed and arrested and inevitably and ultimately crucified, Jesus prayed about it. He prayed about this fellowship among believers, fellowship among you and I. So I want you to turn to John chapter 17, verses 14 to 17. I think it's printed on your bulletin. We're going to read that. I will actually le- read from verse 1. It, this will be lengthy, but I think it's worth taking the time to read a portion of this high priestly prayer of Jesus. He said, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me, Jesus talking to the Father, out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me. And they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. I want you to underline that. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scriptures, Scripture will be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, 
But I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Again, this is a summary of a very lengthy prayer commonly known as Jesus' high priestly prayer. Now, there's a few things that we need to, to grasp about this prayer. And that is, this prayer was a prayer by Jesus himself. And this is a prayer that only Jesus can pray. Okay? So that's important to remember. Uh, it's one of those passages in scriptures that carries a, a significant uh, uh, weight in our understanding of our relationship with Jesus. This is a prayer that only Jesus can pray. This is, this is not like the Lord's Prayer where Jesus taught his disciples, okay, when you pray, pray this way. This is uniquely the prayer of Jesus. Only he can pray this, okay? This prayer has two sections, and both of them carries one theme, and that is for the name of Jesus to be glorified, okay? The first section is Jesus is praying for himself so that Jesus will be glorified through his fellowship with his heavenly Father, with our heavenly Father. And the second uh, aspect of this prayer is that Jesus prayed that his disciples will be the instrument by which the name of Jesus, his own name, will be glorified. In both these sections, Jesus will achieve glory through fellowship. Okay? Fellowship with the Father, his fellowship with the Father glorifies him, and our fellowship with him glorifies his name. He will be glorified because of the fellowship that he demonstrated both with God and with his disciples. Now, this is a prayer that Jesus prayed. And when Jesus prays, his prayers get answered. Okay? So that's important. I want you to just take a mental note of that. This is the prayer of Jesus. And when Jesus prays, his prayer gets answered. So, uh, fellowship answers the prayer of Jesus. Okay? So, when we focus on this spiritual discipline of fellowship, we can always connect it to the fact that this is one of Jesus' priorities. This is a prayer priority for Jesus that we be in meaningful fellowship because this is something that glorifies his name. So in short, fellowship glorifies the name of Jesus. Okay? When Jesus uttered the words, I pray, there are three Greek words that, that was used in that prayer. The first is, I desire. When Jesus said, I pray, he's saying, this is my desire, that my name be glorified. It's an important consideration when you read the Bible to understand what, what was being said. The second word that was used is my will. When Jesus says, I pray, he's saying, I'm praying because this is my will. 
Okay? And the third word used for prayer here, for Jesus praying, is the word I determined. So in each instance, Jesus is praying because this was his desire, this was his will, and this was his determination. He's determined to have his name glorified through fellowship. So I hope that I'm, I'm, I'm you know, in, in some, some way uh, giving you uh, the flavor of what this message is about. This is about the power of true Christian fellowship. It's quite important. We project the glory of Jesus through this fellowship. Jesus' prayer is, was not like ours. When it seems like every time we pray, it's simply asking God for something, simply asking God to bail us out of something or to give us some directions and all of that. Those are, those are all good things to pray about. But when Jesus prayed, He was not just praying about provisions and blessings and things like that. He was actually praying so that His name will be glorified through us. And that, that has to be a, a focus in what we do as followers of Jesus. That's the focus of being in church. We are in church not just because we sit down and we sing and we listen to sermons and all of that. Uh, we, we cultivate fellowship because it's part of giving glory to the name of Jesus. You know, I'm not saying, well, Pastor, you're going to say that because you want people to fill up the church every Sunday. No, no, we're not, we're not about numbers. We're about glorifying the name of Jesus. During the early days of the pandemic, there are three people in this church and we're preaching like there's a thousand here. Okay? So it doesn't matter. I mean, Ben was singing and the worship team, they were here and all of that, but because this glorifies the name of Jesus. Believe it or not. Okay? This high priestly prayer is about Jesus agreeing with the will of His Father, to glorify His name. It's about the purpose of His name being glorified uh, through the lives and testimony of the disciples. And it's still the same for us. It was not a prayer of petition. This is a prayer of oneness in fellowship because it's a prayer of oneness in purpose. And here's a word for everybody, and I want to say this as gently as I can because I want you to know that my heart goes, I love the, the people of God. So I have to say this. When we refuse fellowship, when we refuse community, we are rejecting the basic core of Jesus' desire. Jesus prayed. For this and so when we refuse fellowship we are in essence rejecting the basic core of this jesus's desire his his will and his determination one of the reasons our prayer is not answered because possibly we're not dynamically connected to the body of christ you ever thought about that maybe there's a something you've been praying about and you're saying, why isn't God answering my prayer? But may, may, maybe one of the reasons, and I'm not saying it's the only reason, but maybe one of the reasons is that you are not dynamically connected to the body. Okay? When we are in fellowship together, we not only validate the prayer of Jesus, we become participants in the answer to Jesus' prayer. Now, it's a good time to say this. Jesus is praying for us. 
And yes, He prays for us so that we can be strengthened. He sent us the Holy Spirit, after all, to lead us into our daily lives here on earth. And yes, He prays for us that we might not lose heart. And yes, He prays for us so that we might be uh, a focus on, on the things that we need to do. But primarily, Jesus is praying for us so that we can give glory and honor to His name. That's something to consider. Because it's, it's not something that you hear every day. You know, when we talk about praying, we're talking about in, you know, intercessions and things like that that Jesus is making for us. And we, all, we, we relegate that so much to these this, uh, earth-centered things, you know, <laughs> that, that we have as human beings. We live on earth, so it's not a, and we're fallen. And it, it's not an accident that our desires are geared towards what we're experiencing here on earth. But if we go beyond that, if we really think that Jesus is praying for us, He must be praying for us for something deeper and greater than just meeting our everyday needs. And He does that, but maybe more than just blessing our lives. And He does that, but maybe it's because He wants to magnify His name through us. Romans 8, 4 says, Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus. It's Christ Jesus who died. More than that, he was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and is also interceding for us. Now, Jesus is interceding for us. Now, there could be a number of reasons for that intercession, but I can believe, and you can believe, that part of it is that His name might be glorified through us. So, how do we live this fellowship out? How, 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 how does this work? practically in our lives. Why is fellowship so important in, in the magnification or the advancement or the glorification of the name of Jesus in our world? Three things this morning, okay? True living fellowship is intended for three things. Number one, it's intended for the purity of our witness. The purity of our witness. I mentioned to you earlier in the sermon that there's never been a time, at least in my lifetime, when, we, when there's a need to magnify the gospel, to magnify the name of Jesus, to, to reveal the power of the cross than today. Our witness has to be pure. And fellowship is an integral part of the purity of our witness. We are witnessing to the spiritually dead world. Okay? We're not witnessing to each other. We're not witnessing to the power of the gospel that we receive simply to those who already know the gospel. We are primarily witnessing to a spiritually dead world. Okay, look at the verse again. Look at verse 14. Jesus says, I have given them your word and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. You see, when you belong to Jesus, when Jesus is your king, you do not belong to the world anymore. You are now a witness for Jesus into this world. And I think we understand that as Christians. Many of us have been Christians long enough to have, made, to have had an understanding of that. But where does fellowship come in. If you are not in fellowship with the body, you are not in fellowship with Jesus, okay? We purify, we validate each other's witness or testimonies 
through our fellowship with each other and through our fellowship with Jesus. We're not supposed to be in fellowship with the world. We're supposed to be in fellowship with Jesus so that we can be witnesses to the world. If you and I have more fellowship with those outside the body of Jesus, you probably would want their approval. And the power of your testimony takes a back seat. And that's why the Bible, especially in the Gospel of John and also the, the letters of John, warns us against friendliness to the world, okay? Because friendship with the world, the Bible says, is enmity against God. What, why is that? Because it corrodes our testimony. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have a testimony. And that testimony is designed to glorify the name of Jesus. But if you are not in fellowship with the body of Christ, chances are you are in fellowship with the world. And the world, the Bible says, hates Jesus and therefore it hates you and I. Now, the word hate is a, is a big word, I understand. But we don't have to really take it to that, you know, extreme level. There's no fellowship between light and darkness, the Bible says. So we are warned not just warned, but we are prayed for by Jesus to be separate from the world because it, 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 the world will always reject that until, of course, they come to the knowledge and admonition of the Lord. So if we have more fellowship with those outside the body of Christ, outside the church, we probably have a crisis in the purity of our testimony. It's your brothers and sisters in Christ that will validate and make your testimony pure. Because you are a witness to the reality of Jesus, to the glory of His name. Not only among those within the body of Christ, not only among fellow believers, but more especially to those who are spiritually dead. That's what our witness is all about. That's why we testify. That's why we share our faith. Because we live in a world that's spiritually dead. Just like you and I were before we came to faith in Jesus. Our calling is to be different from the world not friends with the world. We are to show what real life looks like. And that happens through the testimony of our faith. If we hang out with people that are spiritually dead, that will make our testimony uh, less than glorifying to the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? We may still have eternal life. Yeah, I know a lot of Christians who have more non-believing fellowship more fellowship with non-believing people than they do among their brothers and sisters. And you know the problem with that is? The problem is not that you're going to hell when you die because you're a follower of Jesus. You still have eternal life, but your witness is dead. Your witness isn't there. You're not liable to win anybody when you hang out and fellowship more with people of unlike faith than the faith that you possess. I mean, that's just a fact. If we're not, we are not to covet the love of the world. We are not to desire the fellowship of the world. We are to desire the fellowship of one another. This is a prayer that Jesus had. 1 John 3, 13 to 14, it says, Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. That, there it is. Fellowship with each other, right? Anyone who does not love remains in death. So, in essence here, in our fellowship, true Christian love will be seen. And that becomes an, an agent, a purifying agent to our testimony. Okay? 
you know, in this day and age, I mean, it, it just floors me sometimes at how many uh, Christians uh, disagree with what we're supposed to be to believe as followers of Jesus that are plainly script, scriptures plainly reveal. You know, it breaks my heart that that we we are um, rallying over things that we truly believe are not God's will or God's word, and yet for the sake of you know, just for the sake of peace, we kind of accept, you know, differences. Now, look, there are clear differences among many Christians in many other things, but there shouldn't be the absence of true fellowship in the body of Christ. There are things that we can disagree with at a, at a minor level, okay? Uh, and I don't have time to go through one of those secondary issues, but what's going to magnify the name of Jesus is how we rally behind truth how we rally behind the, the, the glorifying of the name of Jesus in our testimony because that's what makes it pure. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.